our school holidays going? Are they going okay? Yeah. It's always a different response from parents than kids. They're going well. Nice. Look, I'm enjoying it because I work in a school, so I get the school holidays too. There's a few of us in the room that work in schools and are enjoying our time to breathe and to plan for the new year. Can't wait. Can I tell you my highlight of my school holidays so far? It's a little bit sarcastic. My highlight has been the compulsory first aid training that I got to do. <laughs> first aid. Has anyone else in the room done a first aid training course before? Yes, yes. It, it's very exciting. And I don't know if anyone else that put their hand up just then has noticed this. Every time I do it, it's different. They update it and they change things and you have to remember a whole new set of letters to... Anyway, so if you have not done a first aid training course before, you're in luck because you're going to get one this morning. <laughs> not really, but I will share a couple of things that I did learn and um, you're going to either be sitting there thinking, what has this got to do with Jesus? Or you'll be sitting there figuring out what it's got to do with Jesus while I'm telling you and then you won't need to listen to the rest of it. So, four life-threatening casualties. You know, if someone's unconscious, if someone's not breathing. I think it started way back. I did a little bit of research to figure this out. Um, it started as A, B, C. For first aiders to remember, A, B, C. You approach this person, you check their airways, their breathing, and you start doing chest compressions if necessary. A, B, C. Easy to remember? We like it. The first time I did first aid training, which was seven or so years ago, it was Dr. ABC. Have we heard of that? D-R-A-B-C. So D, danger, response, airways, breathing, circulation. Excellent. Easy to remember. Only five steps. Then the second time I went and did it, it was Dr. ABCD. Very nice. They added the defibrillator at the end because they're becoming more common. You can find them in shopping centres and workplaces. But this time I went, they changed it again. It's now, instead of Dr. ABCD, it's Doctors ABCD. Have we heard that one before? Mm? Danger, as in check for danger. Is there danger? Oh my gosh. Response, hello, can you hear me? S send for help. Someone call triple zero, right? And then check the airways, breathing, chest compressions, defibrillator. <sighs> Am I an expert or what? I'm pretty good at this. That's great. Um, and then while I was at the training, some, you know, smarty pants that's a lifeguard and knows everything was like, when are they adding the E? And she said, oh, they're doing that soon. For anyone in the room that doesn't know, the E stands for evaluation. So doctors, <laughs> A, B, C, D, E is what it will be. And evaluation, you know, you can figure that out. Um, apparently might be in the next time I do the training in three years. Can't wait. Um, but then, wait, I have to tell you this. Because when I was Googling to find, kind of find the history of it and a bit of a timeline, I found out that in some countries they also have an F and a G. Doctors, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And the F stands for family. So you contact their family and let them know if necessary. And the G, are you ready? <laughs> stands for go quickly. <laughs> go quickly. 
really? I'm assuming it didn't specify I'm assuming to like a hospital or something. But I thought that was hilarious. I wish Oh my gosh, so good. They give you these little acronyms, mnemonic phrases for everything so that you know what to do when you're first on the scene. You know how to respond. So um, does anyone know what to do if someone sprains their ankle? Right? Rice. Rice. Rest, ice, compression, elevation. Rice. Good. Great. Um, what do you do? Oh, no, no, no. This isn't really what to do, actually. This is a bit of a sneaky one. How do you know if someone might be experiencing a stroke? Do we know that mnemonic? Fast? I mean, you might have gone to a different training than me. Fast? Uh, Yeah, face, arms, speech, and time. How long does it go for? Hey, are you learning? No? I'm not giving you any specifics at all, so no, you're not. (laughs) I'm doing a terrible job. The last one, which I don't remember learning, but I probably did, and it fell out of my head. Um, If you're assessing potential issues before helping someone, the little mnemonic phrase is sample, which I have to read. I'm sorry, I don't remember it. Signs and symptoms. Allergies. Do they have allergies? Have they taken medications? Do they have a past medical history? last food and drink that they had and E was events, the events that led up to it. I'm never going to remember that. That's complicated. I'm not, and it's, you know, you can always tell when they've like stretched it a little bit. They're like, we have to think of something for P, otherwise it doesn't make sense. So they just put something in there. Um, It's a lot to remember. And when I'm in these first aid courses, maybe someone can relate. I'm thinking, how on earth am I going to remember all of this? There is not a chance that I'm going to remember all of this. But at the same time, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I have to remember all of this. Because if I'm in a situation where someone's life is at stake and I'm the first data, I need to remember every single thing that they are saying or I don't, I don't know what I would do. Like, I, how would I go on knowing, oh, I forgot the thing that I was taught to save that person's life. Oh, like what if I forget what the B in Doctors A, B, C, D, E, F, G stands for? That would be terrible. Um, The good news, I guess, is that as a first aid responder, it's not actually your responsibility to save their life or to perform an operation or something. Like that's not on me. My job as a first aider is to preserve life and prevent further harm that's what my job is so hopefully I know enough to be able to do that if I'm at school and something happens to a student like hopefully I can preserve life and prevent further harm because the S stands for send for help send for a professional that actually knows what they are doing and can actually save the life if necessary and can take over that's the idea I'm it's not all on me I'm just there for a little bit waiting for a professional to take over. All right. Can I tell you, since I did this training like two weeks ago, it's just all I've been thinking about all the time. Like Jack got a blood nose last week and I was like, well, I know how to deal with that. Um, You need to lean forward, not back, lean forward and pinch the soft part of your nose. That's what I learned a week ago. You're welcome. 
Um, and I was watching Friends and there's this scene where like Chandler starts choking on gum and so they try to give him the Heimlich and I'm like, no, you're doing that wrong. It's meant to be five back blows and five abdominal thrusts and uh, that's embarrassing. And then I started wondering what would happen if my dog started choking. So I started looking up dog first aid. <laughs> and, and one of the websites was wrong, by the way, said to grab them by their back legs and just pick them up and shake them. And for a second I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Oh yeah, because it would come out gravity, you know. No, no, it's very similar to a human first aid. It's just the abdominal thrusts and the back blows. You know, logic would make sense there. Don't believe everything you see on the internet. But I think I can save my dog's life if necessary. Okay, so of course, because it's been on my mind so much, when I have been listening to some sermons online and I have been uh, reading my Bible, I've been thinking about first aid, especially when Jesus is doing some healing. I've been thinking about my first aid course and I was thinking, I wonder if Jesus is doing his first aid correctly. And I'll give you the answer right now. He is not. He is not doing it correctly. Jesus does not know his first aid. But that's okay. Uh, we know as Christians that we want to be like Christ. We know that the way that Jesus lives, we want to try to embody that and we want to act the way that Jesus would act. So I thought this morning we would look at a few examples of how Jesus does respond to other people in the Bible. Um, yes, sure, I've got this first aid lens going on and yes, there's a bit of an analogy happening here. But more importantly, like, can I just pray that God would speak to us this morning instead of just me? Um, God, thank you that you are so, so good. Thank you for how much you love us. Thank you for how evident that is when we read your word. And this morning, God, I, if nothing else, I just want to feel your love again this morning, to experience your love, to encounter you. Um, yeah, let my ridiculous words slip away. We just want to hear directly from you and your spirit this morning, God. Amen. Amen. All right, we are going to start, as usual, if you've heard me speak before, I just read lots and lots and lots from the Bible, so we're going to start with lots, and we're starting in Matthew chapter 8, and we'll be in there for a little bit, so if you like to read along on your phone or uh, in your Bible or something, Matthew chapter 8 is where we are starting, from verse 1. Oh, this is the NLT, by the way, as well, in case you like to match. All right, large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. All right, according to Leviticus, the condition referred to as leprosy was highly infectious and it could infect other people and also things it could infect their possessions um, and buildings as well if you are someone with leprosy and you're in a place they would consider that whole place infected so 
um, they referred to leprosy as the living death. That's a nice label to be given. The leper, as a lot of us know, was a social outcast. Um, Anyone who touched him or her would be unclean um, and the lepers were cast out of cities and other you know populated areas and were forbidden to touch other people or their possessions right absolutely the most outcast someone could be and even when approaching other people they had to warn them off by saying unclean unclean you know as they're walking through so everyone knew they were a leper they were unclean um Here's something I learned this week. In ancient Jewish culture, the family would hold a funeral for loved ones who were diagnosed with leprosy as they would no longer be able to be part of that family. They would hold a funeral for that person and then cast them out. And on top of this, the Jewish rabbis taught that, you know, this disease was because of sin, in that person's life. They've done something really bad or their ancestors have done something that have caused them to have this disease. Pretty awful. If you had leprosy, your life was essentially over. I imagine that the shame and the isolation from contracting this would have been just incomparable to anything else, any other kind of sickness. And we see here what the... um, first aid response was to people with this disease the response the agreed upon societal response was treat them as if they're dead cast them out pretend they're not there anyway uh give give up hope (laughs) don't even worry cast them aside and that's what was agreed upon and jesus frankly doesn't care about these rules and all he cares about is the person so when a leper approaches him A human being who is suffering approaches him. He reaches out and touches them. Amazing. He does the unexpected and instead treats this man with love and with dignity. All right, we're going to keep on reading. So in Matthew chapter 8, again, we're going to start at verse 14. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. Then she got up and prepared a meal for him. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. Once again, Jesus does the unexpected. He contradicts the societal norms of that time, and he first of all, he touches a woman, which was very much frowned upon, and... Um, you know, religious leaders wouldn't do that if, because all religious leaders were male. They would not touch a female because that could be seen as inappropriate. So Jesus does that. He touches her hand. That's one thing he wasn't supposed to do, but also touches a sick person. And immediately the sickness leaves her body and he heals her. Once again, all Jesus cares about is the person, not the rules, not what was agreed upon as okay. He touched her hand and responded with love. And if we keep reading this gospel, Jesus continues healing all of the people that come to him. We never read about Jesus turning anyone away. No one else knows what to do with these people, so they cast them away. Uh, And I'm just going to read this bit from Matthew um, chapter 4, just as a little 
synopsis. News about him spread as far as Syria and people soon began bringing him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Amazing. Sorry, I've got a bit of a sniffle going on. I am so sorry because that's not nice to listen to. Okay, now we're going to look at a story where Jesus' response to someone is a bit different. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child, your sins are forgiven. So instead of reaching out and touching the person, he's forgiving their sins. But some of the teachers of religious law said to themselves, That's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Is it easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up and went home. We can see here that Jesus is making a point to the teachers of religious law, the Pharisees, about what his purpose is here on earth. Jesus coming to earth was an act of grace. He came to take our sins and to wear them on the cross, right? He came to forgive us, to restore us, heal us and make us whole. And Nath talked a few weeks ago about this Greek word for healing that actually means to restore and make whole as well. So Jesus' first response here was to deal with the bigger issue. The man was living in sin and Jesus freed this man from his sin, although that's not why the man was brought to Jesus. It's not what he asked for. So here's maybe one thing to take away from this morning. Jesus doesn't always heal us in the way we expect. You have sickness or pain or addiction or brokenness or frustration or grief. Bring them to Jesus. But just know that he may not heal us in the way that we expect. We might have an idea of what being restored looks like, but we need to be prepared that we might need to let that go in order to accept whatever healing or restoration Jesus has for us. And I imagine me as like a, a first aid responder talking about healing and, and, and the paramedic finally arrives and I say, oh, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> that's, that's not what I learned in my first aid course. That's not what you should be doing. And it's kind of this uh, ridiculous image of me telling Jesus, no, 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 this is what I need. This is what's going to heal me and make me whole. Whereas we all know that Jesus has a much better plan than I do for my restoration. Here's another thing to take away. You don't need to understand God's grace to receive it. Isn't that good news? Apparently, you don't even need to ask for it. <laughs> it's there for you. His grace for you is overflowing. And you might think that you're undeserving. You might think you haven't done what you're supposed to do to get it. Forget that. You are forgiven. God's grace is for you. You have no debt to pay. You have no sacrifice to make. Jesus has paid that price for your sins so that you can be fully restored in him. Amen. <laughs> so we've talked about what Jesus' first response is towards those who come to him. But what I've been really thinking about this week 
is what my first response should be. I'm human. (laughs) I'm not perfect like Jesus. Um, No one is coming to me asking for forgiveness anyway, let's be honest. No one's coming to me asking for my healing. Um, But I do encounter people regularly who make mistakes, who are angry, who are holding on to grudges, who are judging others for their mistakes. And what should my response to those people be? Knowing that I'm one of those people as well, all the time. So this next story, this is our last one that we're going to read together. This occurs right after the one that we just read. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. That's us, we're the disreputable sinners, sorry. Um, But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy not offer sacrifices. Just remember, we have no sacrifices to make. Our debt has been paid. We are already forgiven. And so if we are already forgiven, so are our family and our friends and our enemies, right? Jesus said, For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So what should my response to people on earth people who make mistakes and are imperfect and are broken and are hurting what should my response be Jesus said I want you to show mercy Jesus did not come for those who think they are righteous and without fault Jesus did not come for those who are judging everyone else because they're not living up to some perfect standard of living Jesus came for those who know they are sinners And I am so thankful because I know I am so far from perfect and God still loves me. Jesus is still for me. I'm still forgiven. Is anyone else thankful for this, that you are still loved and still forgiven? Jesus came for us, the broken and the sick and the imperfect. And he calls us not to judge others based on their imperfections, but to extend the same grace and mercy that we've received through Christ. Whether they recognise that they're sinners or not, whether they've asked for forgiveness or not, if they've hurt you and they still haven't asked for your forgiveness, whether they are living in sin currently or not, Jesus wants us to show mercy, not offer sacrifices not demand sacrifices from those people who have hurt us. Jesus wants us to show mercy because the forgiving has been done. The debt has been paid. Our first response to those around us who need Jesus is to love them and show them mercy, show them kindness, show them generosity. And then send for help. It's not our job to save and redeem and restore and heal. Only Jesus can do those things, right? Only through Jesus can we be made whole. So we send for help. We respond with mercy and we send for help. Now, 
I'm going to do a couple of things here. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you get up and talk to people that you haven't spoken to yet this morning. You can do that later if you want. But I'm going to do a couple of things. First of all, I want to pray and I want you to join me for people that we have in our minds, people that are on our hearts at the moment, who you just need Jesus for, (laughs) you just want to send for help for. Maybe people that you are consistently showing mercy and you just desperately want them to know Jesus or people that are really difficult to show mercy for and you just want them to know Jesus. We're going to pray for those people. So if you can have that person, if you're thinking of someone or some people, have them on your mind at the moment and please join me in some prayer for them. God, your love is so abundant and overflowing for us. And we thank you that we can love because you first loved us. That there is so much grace available for us that we have excess to pass on to others. God, right now we pray for our family member or our friend or our colleague or our enemy or someone we haven't seen in 20 years and constantly worry about. And we bring them before you. If there's a way, God, that you can use us to show them what your love looks like, please do. Or if we just need you to swoop in and intervene because we don't see them very often or they're unresponsive to us, Jesus, we know that you have the best plan. So we're asking you, Holy Spirit, to move and to do what you need to do. Help us to continue showing your love to these people even when it gets really difficult. Holy Spirit, fill us, help us to look like Jesus to these people. Amen. Okay, and I'm going to do one last thing before I let you go. And it's not because I'm, I have magical words or something like this, um, but I just really want to pray for anyone in this room right now who feels like they need help, <laughs> they need Jesus to come, they need a response right now from Jesus maybe it is healing or maybe it's something that needs to be broken I don't know but if that's you in this room I want to pray for you this morning you don't have to put your hand up or anything like that and if you're in the room and that's not you just again try to tune into what God is speaking to you this morning please join me in this prayer as well God we cry out to you this morning For some of us, we absolutely don't know what to do anymore. We feel lost and we feel desperate and we just need you. So Jesus, uh, we know that your spirit is here. (laughs) We know that you are with us right now and that you are moving right now. And we ask for your spirit to fill us and to get into those places that we like to keep protected and we like to keep hidden, or the places that just hurt too much, Holy Spirit, we ask for you to move there. We are willingly inviting you to do something. Jesus, I thank you because you are a healer and a redeemer and a restorer, and there is absolutely nothing in us that you can't take care of. 
There is no problem, even though it seems way too huge for us, there is no problem too big for you. And I can't believe that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the creator of the universe wants to heal us right now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So Holy Spirit, start a work in us right now. Connect us with people if that's, if that's what we need. Use us if we're in the room right now and we know that there's something that we can be doing. It's on our heart. There's something that needs to be done to help another one of your children, God. Use us, prompt us. God, we love you and we thank you for your incredible word that just tells you, tells us, sorry, how much you love us. Thank you for this love story, for this love letter to us. Thank you that you are for us and not against us, that your love and your grace is for us, the sinner, the broken, the imperfect. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.